less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Martin, what are the keys to a good pheasant hunt? Pheasants. <laughs> pheasants. <laughs> yeah, you know what the real uh, the real shortage right now is buying shotgun shells. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, I bought seven boxes last year in anticipation of slaughtering a bunch of pheasants, and I fired my gun once. Yikes! So I have those, yeah. <laughs> and then I know where a truck is coming tomorrow morning to deliver two and three quarter inch twelve gauge six shot, and I will be there, canceling what? appointments. So All right, great. So, so you're you're headed to Liberal, Kansas? Yeah, near Liberal, Kansas. Yeah. Okay. Well. Maybe you'll anybody uh, want pheasants because we'd love anybody a pheasant. want pheasant. Well, yeah, we'll take a pheasant. Okay, because a lot of times I don't bring them home, I give them away because I don't really cook. But yeah, no, we'll we'll cook a pheasant. Okay, yeah, just don't put you too cook many six of them. No, I'll pick one of them, but don't don't uh just don't get too many BBs in it. Well, I hit shoot them all. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to mess up the meat. I shoot them in the head. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It, don't, it don't, take, you have, don't give us you your have bad to be shots. Pretty good at it. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Well, I would love to hear, Martin, what you're going to be doing to make sure that you're safe on this pheasant hunt. Well, you know, I really shouldn't ever kid about that. No, uh, you shouldn't. With shotguns, uh, hunt with guys I've hunted with for 40 years. And some of the things, and a prominent actor shot somebody here, you know, last week or two mm-hmm. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I, you just do not ever, I mean, point a gun at anybody. No, no matter what, well, it's not loaded, you got your finger in the breech, I don't care, you just don't do it. And I think that's uh, learned. But Yeah, for sure. Well, there are a lot of safety things that you should do and shouldn't yeah. do um, that we're going to talk about today. Gary, oh, thanks for... Hunter Orange, forgot that. Hunter Orange. Hunter yep. Orange. You have to yep. wear orange. I have to tell a joke real quickly before we get to okay. Gary, but a lady in Wyoming pulled into a, into a cafe and a bar there were a bunch of guys in there with Hunter Orange on. She asked one of the guys, why is everybody wearing orange? He said, it's a state law, ma'am. She said, what a good idea. I think drunks everywhere ought to have to wear orange. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, back to the... Yeah, easily the, spotted. Easily, easily spotted. spotted. Easily spotted. Gary, thanks for joining us on the podcast this morning. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for those who don't know Gary, this is actually our second attempt, <laughs> probably three months later. On, yeah, maybe longer. At least maybe, uh, longer. maybe longer. Yeah, on trying to get a podcast recorded with Gary. Last time we did it, we went, we did the full thing, but we had severe audio issues that wouldn't allow us to publish it. So thanks for coming back, Gary. Hey, you bet. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. We know that you're in safety. Uh, give us a little bit about your background. All right, uh, Gary Messig, my yeah. name, and. Uh, I just retired in 2020. I worked 33 years at a refinery, and uh, in that refinery, I was an operator for 21 years. And then from 2009 till retirement, I was involved in safety. Hmm. I was a training coordinator. I was a PSM operations specialist, process safety management, hmm. and basically that took care of all the mechanical uh, safety aspects of the equipment and stuff. But I was also the training coordinator training the operators, uh, which is a requirement. Uh, and so uh, I developed a training program. We mm. did not have one before right. that time. And so uh, then in 2006, while I was still working, we started a safety company, a business partner of mine, and 
he had retired earlier, and so we both enjoy safety and doing training, and so we started Southwest Safety Services. That's where I met you. That's right, and uh, that's been 12, 13 years ago, it seems yeah, like, at least. a long time ago. Uh, but uh, anyway, and so been doing safety training since 2000, and yeah. uh, I was also a, I'm a retired volunteer firefighter for the town mm -hmm. I work in. I was a training officer for them and hazmat officer for that department as well so very cool that's and, a little bit of my background and you say refinery is that a, a metal refinery no it's an oil and gas oil refinery. and gas refinery okay yeah, here in oklahoma yeah we have big lit up. four or five of them here okay excellent um how did you first get into safety inside of that company what i mean was it something that you just fell into by by happenstance or no you... it was uh I, I started the uh doing safety training in 2004 technology center okay uh, and we have technology centers all over the state and they they do offer uh, safety training and stuff for different companies and if you do training through them you get a little discount on your uh, workman's comp part of that money goes towards training and so I was doing that and still an operator at the refinery right and it just I could see where we were missing a lot of things and, Which is uh, probably where a lot of companies are, right? They're, they're, yeah. They think they have safety down, but they're really missing a lot of things. Yes, and, and training operators, especially, is one of the uh, to make it make it safe for them, especially in the hostile environments you work in at a refinery. Uh, yeah. We needed to do that a little better, so that's how I got interested. And opportunity came up, and we got a new uh, safety manager there. And I said, "Hey, I'd like to do training." He said. All right. So that's how that happened. So self, well, not self-taught, but self, self-taught. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that caused you to go out and learn how to do it. Yes, yeah. so I had been to several uh, OSHA classes, trained the trainers, mm -hmm. you know, uh, prior to that, learning how to deliver, what mm -hmm. to deliver, how to do it accurately and, yeah. and correctly. And so I, uh, I, I was a good fit, I thought, for that, and it good. worked out real good. That's great. I'm really curious about that uh, safety program, and the, you said that you developed it for the refinery. It was a training program. Uh, yeah, the training program. Yes. What what goes into a training program, and and how did you develop it? How long did that take? It took a. It was. It's still ongoing. It's evergreen. <laughs> you don't ever stop. Sure, but right. uh, you know, you have to identify what you need. What are the needs? What do we have to do? We also have to look at what the OSHA reg says that we need to be mm -hmm. able to. Uh, supply folks so they can work safely mm -hmm. and uh, based on that procedures are something that's real big out there do you have a written procedure on how to do this particular job mm -hmm. uh, you have to be able to develop procedures uh, that are written that can be understood you can also use pic pictures if everybody can understand the pictures and they're trained to mm -hmm. uh, but uh, having the procedures in place that they can refer to, they being your employees, how to do a job, how to do it correctly. Um, that's that's where you start. Yeah. And then for us, it was on the pieces of equipment. How do you operate a pump? How do you uh, operate an overhead fan? How, those types of things, the pieces of equipment that they would be operating. So anybody out there, whatever the tools are that you're going to be using, you need to be able to uh, understand how they work and the way to work with them safely. 
And so that's, it's just a progression. Yeah. Uh, you know, we talk about <clears throat> systems quite a bit on our podcast, and I think uh, we don't call them procedures, but they're very similar in that there's a, a, a list of ways exactly what you need to do, how you need to do it, all that stuff. And I yeah. think, you know, you bring up the point of using procedures for the point of safety, for mm-hmm. keeping things, you know, keeping us away from risks in our mm-hmm. business and for mm-hmm. risks for our employees. But I think uh, systems work in the same way. They're reducing risk for you as a business owner, where you are not required to be on the job and you are a lot, you can train someone to do something and you can sell your business for something that's valuable uh, and kind of reduces your risk in, in the game. So I think that's interesting to note. With the training programs that, that you put in place there, how, I know that it's evergreen, but I'm just trying to think of companies that don't have a formal training program. What is the time investment into that? Is that something that you knock out in a month or does that take years to develop? It took years to develop. Okay. Uh, you know, you, you start from the ground up and anything that you can find that's already out there, you know, the old saying, why try and invent the, reinvent the wheel? Mm-hmm. We had a sister refinery where they had worked on developing some of this stuff so that, that I worked with the, the uh, training coordinator. Did you have to pay for them? For that? They had to pay for those initially. When but, it, and, and you guys just got them for free, essentially? Basically, all wow. we did, but it was through the same company. You know, oh, so it's a, oh, it's the same, com- it was, our, it was the same company. company. Yeah. Gotcha. They had to pay to have someone come in and help them get established, and then I just worked with them on that. So. Gotcha. Because I, I wonder if there's companies out there that can do that with companies that are same industry, but you know different market, um, if they can just pull away some of the resources that they've invested in for safety programs. If they are of the owned by the same folks, that yeah. would probably be. Yeah, but probably not. Maybe probably there's a way. Probably not the other way. But I mean, maybe you can do that like, hey, I'll pay you for your safety program mm-hmm. so that you're not investing so much money. But it's it is any time you make that decision, there there are publications on the OSHA website for startup companies that tell you, you know, what you should do, what you mm-hmm. need in place. And I keep mentioning OSHA. I'm sure everybody knows who OSHA yeah, is. Why, yeah, why don't we go they're ahead and the, say what it is? They're the government agency right. that uh, uh, regulates personal safety out there and makes sure that the people are safe with the regulations they have in place. Occupational Safety and Health Administration. That's exactly and right. And they have IMSA, too, for yes. mines. Mine safety, yeah. yes. There's different federal agencies, FFA, you know, or FAA, Federal right. Aviation Administration, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. I'd love to hear the impact that the training program you put inside of the refinery, um, you know, what I guess you, you would measure it maybe by accidents per year or per month. Um, were you, what were you guys having before the program and then after? Yeah, it first and foremost, um, having the training before you put boots on the ground out in the field, the guys, the, the what we received back from the people that were down there was this is the way to go. These guys know so much when they get down here, we don't have to spend a lot of time just holding their hand and walking with them. Mm -hmm. It was, they had the knowledge already. What is a heat exchanger? How does it work? Uh, What does a tower do? What, how do you start, stop a pump? I mean, that sounds elemental, elementary, but it's actually, there's a lot more to it than just going out there and starting uh, pushing a button. Well, that's one thing about a refinery. Things can get really serious really fast. They can. Yeah. They As a matter of fact, I don't even bring it up, but you, not necessarily why you were there, but you've had some instances, haven't you? We, there were a couple instances while I was there back in 2006, uh, a major fire. Yeah. 
and uh, but fortunately no injuries no fatalities wow we were good there but uh, yeah and, and again those things happen when you when you don't train people yeah. how to operate the equipment correctly right. uh, if you you can't learn by tribal knowledge sure. and, and be accurate is is the thing so it helped us in that aspect yeah it, I'm curious obviously nobody wants accidents to happen on the job site they don't want anybody to get hurt but does having these procedures and this program in place protect you legally if something were to happen? Yes. How so? Okay. Uh, in this, in, in the industry that I was in, we were regulated by OSHA, yeah. uh, the PSM regulation 29 CFR 1910 119. <laughs> yeah. Did everybody get that? Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes. And there's 14 elements. Everybody should know that one. 14 I mean, elements. It should just be in the CFM back of your 2419. <laughs> yeah. Got it. There's 14 elements that you have to follow, and procedures uh, are part of that. And so uh, what what they want is if you're going to go out and do any job, you have to have a procedure, and you have to follow that procedure. If there's mm. an accident that happens, uh, I did incident investigations as well. We're going to investigate that procedure to make sure that it is accurate and that it, it is what it should Easy, be. Yeah. And we'll look at where the incident happened. And was it because we missed a step in the procedure? The majority of the time, no. Uh, yeah. But uh, somebody making taking a shortcut or something like yeah. that. So when you talk about procedures, something like be changing out a pump. Mm-hmm. Well, shutting a pump down even Shut, is simple as okay. shutting a pump down because it starts the downstream and something changes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and you 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 have to depend you have to know about the product that's in there too is it hazardous is it flammable is it toxic that sort of thing and so anytime you start dealing with equipment not only understanding the equipment but what it's actually doing and especially if it's a fluid mover moving some type of fluid what is that fluid you know so that's if you proceduralize it you can follow step by step then when the procedures were made, the hazards were identified, and you eliminate the hazards as you shut down or start up, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So yeah. that's uh, that's what a procedure is good for, and uh, you know you write them to a point where, and it it doesn't really happen this way, but you want to write it where if I gave it to you, Khalil, today, mm-hmm. you could actually go out there, maybe mm-hmm. with a little direction and follow that procedure. That's okay. how. You want, you, you want it to be, be that be, elementary. You want uh, it to be simple. Yeah. And uh, but then you get involved with how many steps there might be and that sort of thing. Yeah. But overall, it's just like I'm going to kind of change shifts here. Sure. It, anytime you get ready to do a job, for the folks listening, a JSA job safety analysis should be completed before you start your job. What does that look like? Okay, that's good. It's it's it depend. It, it's comprised of three items. It has, uh, just think of it this way. Um, what's the job and the tools required? Okay. What's the hazards involved with doing the job, with using the tools? And then how do we mitigate those hazards? Mm-hmm. And as the crew, you need to all be involved when you conduct a JSA. So everybody will have a say in what's going on. Yeah. And so you, there are forms out there. and. Well, here's the job. It involves these hand tools that we have to use, wrenches, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to shut down this pump. Yeah. Okay. And take it apart. 
And so then it, with each element of what you're going to do, yeah. you talk about the hazards to the crew and say, well, what are we going to do, guys, to mitigate these hazards? How are yeah. we going to keep them from getting us? We have to shut the pump down. We have to block the suction valve, the discharge mm -hmm. valve. We have to bleed this product down. What's, what are those hazards? What do they involve? So knowing in, in order to do that and do it accurately, you have to be trained on what job you're getting ready to do, right? Yeah. I have to understand this piece of equipment. I have to understand. Does that happen in a classroom? It, I mean, we're not talking about the <clears throat> tailgate meeting. No, it's, 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 it, it's going to be classroom. And then you can do a tailgate meeting. Right. Once, to review or something. But, you know, you need to know, understand the basics, and that's typically classroom training. Um, okay. I, I'm curious here, and I, I know this is just the first step of a process that you were about to outline that you do this JSA, mm -hmm. but uh, let's just focus on this for a second. Okay. Who is responsible for this? Is this the – I know that you're talking about a refinery here a little bit, but let's even move into more construction-based where maybe we're a home builder or maybe we're a framing contractor or a plumber or whatever it is. Is it the sub that's responsible for their crew? Is it the GC that's responsible for all the subs doing this? What does that look like? The uh, GC is over the subs. He's, he's actually the one that hires them, right? right. And so he is responsible for them. But the subs also are responsible to be on the same level of training okay. as the GC. Okay. And so... I would love to hear from your perspective, Gary, because of my perspective, what percentage of contractors do you think are doing this? Because <laughs> from my perspective, I'm thinking like, man, you are in the top 1% yeah. if you're doing this. I, I don't. I agree I, it's the right thing. I'm yeah, just... yeah, I would, I'd, I would say that there's probably 50 to 70%. Okay. Depending upon the industry, which sure. what industry well, I would say in. in refineries, uh, it's, I've been waiting to say this, but everything you've been talking about sounds really expensive. It is. It and is. depending on who you are, yeah. I mean, what, what size you are, yeah. it's just normally, I've been on uh, locations with some machines where you couldn't even go on the location until you finished two days of classroom mm -hmm. provided by the contractor, I don't yeah. know, the GC or mm -hmm. what, but you had to have a, you couldn't even go out there. Right. And right. so then you had to go through all that. Uh, there are some guys digging a trench right outside our window here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, I always notice things like, uh, what do you call the liners for trenches? Trench blocks. Trench blocks, yeah. yeah. And you know, I was kind of going, I don't know, they, they look like they're doing all right. They're wearing vests and stuff. But, but I would guess it's, for small contractors, it's vastly, vastly less than 50%. Yeah. Yes, yes, and I mean, it, that's true. And that's, that's one of the things, uh, we've got all kinds of people listening, but that's one of the things that I really like to tend to by the time we get to the end is if you're just three guys, you still got to do it, or you and two guys. You know, there's, there's if, if you're self-employed or you ha have a less than 10 employees, it's not quite as strict. But the thing is, for me, um, if you're going to put someone in a situation where they're working in a hazardous job, yeah. regardless of whether it's two employees or 2,000, they need to be trained and understand what those hazards are and how to mitigate them. Can we eliminate every single hazard? The answer is no, mm. but if we talk about them, if we understand them, then we know how to work with those hazards. Yeah. It may have to do with the PPE, the personal protective equipment that we wear. It may have to do with um, some type of 
interaction with a piece of equipment but everybody understands what it's getting ready to do and, yeah. and that sort of thing uh, but if you talk about the hazards if you understand the equipment um, whether and I know it's easy for me to say but whether you got three employees or 300 3,000 it's you should think of it the same way we yeah. want our folks to go home at the end of the day absolutely that's, that's what we're all concerned with um, and so uh, some of these things do cost money to yeah. to do to get to maintain, but once you have the program in place, it's fairly easy to keep it going if, yeah. if you dedicate yourself to that. Kind of a more upfront cost to get started, yeah. and then you can just have a smaller investment that you're continuing to put in to renew it and keep it up to date. And I think for the folks out there listening, the technology centers. Mm -hmm. Offer that. Which at, at we a, call technology centers a lot of places. They're Votex. So, yeah, yeah, they they changed the name to technology center probably yeah twenty tw years. twenty years ago. Yeah, here in Oklahoma, but, uh, but I think they still call them. But they used to be called Votex. But yeah. you know, like for instance, Mid America Technology Center at Wayne. Uh, there's yeah. Francis Tuttle up here. Right. But those are good resources for businesses, small or large, mm -hmm. and they they can help you. And uh, the price per hour of training is fairly inexpensive. Okay. It really is. Very good. And they have, I'm going to say, for the most part, they have good trainers. And I, I know that contractors are thinking that a big barrier here is actually language, mm -hmm. especially for mm -hmm. some of their subs. Mm -hmm. um, are the, the Votex and the Career Center or the Technology Centers offer bilingual training? They do. Okay. They do. And then it's, I'm assuming, important for your procedures to be both in you English bet. and Spanish, right? Yes, yes. And, that, and that's any time that you have uh, multiple languages, signage mm -hmm. should read that way mm -hmm. as well. Any mm -hmm. type of safety signs that you have, any type of information, mm -hmm. uh, you need to be uh, able to have it in the languages that the people speak. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's go back. You said you were on the track of explaining a process. You said a JSA, a job safety, job safety analysis, analysis. job hazard analysis. They have different names. Sure. But, but uh, so that's it, the first thing you're going to do when you get on a job site. That's or before you even get ideally, to the job site. Ideally, no. Well, when you get there to okay. the job site and you're looking over the job, fill out a JSA about the job you're getting ready to do. Even if you do the same job every day. Yeah. Um, what causes most accidents out there? Probably falls. Lack of awareness. Well, complacency. Oh, okay. I do this job day in, day out, mm. you know? And so, um, so you have to be disciplined even when you do a JSA. If you're doing the same job you do every day, yeah. you have to be disciplined not to skip over something. Uh, but if it's a job you, you don't do every day, they're really important. It really helps you identify the hazards. What are the hazards and how can we mitigate those hazards. Can you give us some examples of hazards? Because I think, I, I mean, I know the obvious ones, like the equipment could fall on top of you and you could die, you know, but what are some of the smaller ones that people don't even, you know, think about? Well, one of the, one of the biggest things um, is energy isolation, hazardous energy isolation. We call it lockout, tagout, but um, any time, there's all different types of hazardous energy out there that can get loose and cause us injury, harm, or death. And so we have to understand how to isolate the piece of equipment and then we have to dissipate that hazardous energy. Most commonly, we think about 
electricity, right? Mm. But there's also thermal, there's also hydraulic, mm. thermal, temperature, cold or hot, hydraulic fluid under pressure, pneumatic air under pressure. Uh, those are the hazards that are out there. Some pieces of equipment may have more than one of those, right? Mm -hmm. So in that JSA, I have electric driver here. I've got a motor driving this thing. So I have electricity. Then if I shut this pump down and it's full of something that's flammable and toxic, I have that hazard to deal with. Mm -hmm. If it's hot or if it's cold, I have to deal with that. Um, hazards that you need to think about also, pinch points. If you're gonna be twisting a valve, if you're gonna be uh, using a wrench, pinch points, those things that get your hands. If you reach around blind with your hand, oh. that's that's where you can't mm -hmm. see really where you are. What is back there? What is? What am I going to do? How am I going to do that safely? Because a lot of times we'll put ourselves right in the line of fire mm -hmm. and and get have an injury. But um, other hazards, um, again, thermal, especially with the winter time coming on, the cold is going to be a big issue. Yeah, winter safety is always a good thing to talk about, but. What does metal do when it gets down freezing and stuff? It gets really cold and you can actually, mm -hmm. you know, grab hold of something, be stuck to it, that sort of thing. So wow. if there's any moisture at all, you know, yeah. so things to think about. So Yeah, there's a lot um, there. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of hazards. And that's why if we as a group, if us three were gonna do uh, a job, we sit here and talk about it, we fill out that JSA, identify the hazards and what we're gonna do to so we have a JSA that. form that has a lot of uh questions on it and check boxes to remind you what you to bet. look at. You bet. Yeah. And, so there, that's and, part you can, of the and you can get those forms online anywhere. Just right. Google JSA form and boom, there you go. Again, why reinvent the wheel? Right. Mm -hmm. I think the key thing with that JSA is the awareness piece. It is. I it think is. when you're, I mean, especially if you're doing the same job every day, you know what's going on that form. Yep. But just to take a moment and be aware of it. I mean, it's just like anything in life. If you want to know where you're going, you've got to have a goal. And That's if you right. have, if you're aware of that goal, you're more likely to reach it. Yep. If our goal is safety and we're aware of what the, you know, hazards are and how we can safely get to the end goal, then we're going to be better about it. So I, I really like that idea. Um, and honestly, it's a good idea in practice for not just construction, but anything you go on. I think, in life. yeah, any, any, anything even yeah. in like you said in life yeah know, if you're getting ready to drive somewhere yeah uh should you do an inspection on your car on your vehicle should sure. you check the air should you check make sure you got gas uh, that sort of thing and then check you yeah. know the direction we're going do we have construction on interstate 35 only from start to finish yeah. that's all so i do all those things before i go anywhere yeah <laughs> well maybe i don't my father-in-law says never get a major repair on your car before a road trip they yeah. might mess it up. That's where yeah. they need the wrench. In <laughs> that there. might yeah. where you. That might be where you have the problem. Drive around yeah. town a little bit first. But but it you know everything you do and one thing I like to stress too and I do to everybody when I do training, um, all these things we talk about you can take home and use them as well. Mm -hmm. Ladder safety, hearing protection, mm -hmm. eye protection, that sort of thing. Uh, you can use them at home and should use them at home as well. Yeah. So. Once you have this JSA in place, what are some of the other safety procedures that you can go through? Well, with the JSA, hopefully you're going to cover everything right. for that particular job. Um, and if you're working for someone, if you're a contractor for someone, you need to be aware of what they require. What do they mm -hmm. expect? What are their expectations? 
um, and make sure that you meet those too. If, if your procedures, uh, if your written formats are above and beyond what they have, that's fine, but you can't do anything less than what mm -hmm. they have, what they require. So you need to really understand and be aware of what, what they require as well. Mm -hmm. um, that's very important. Yeah. Um, because you don't want them to come by and say, hey, why aren't you wearing a fall protection? Mm -hmm. uh, your harness and your, well, I'm only four feet off the ground. Well, we require you to have that at four feet, so you <laughs> need to do that. Oh, okay, so things like that, little little things like that can creep up, but understand what's expected of you. So mm -hmm. that's uh, So you fill out the, the JSA, you're mm -hmm. doing the job, are there like checkpoints that you, you, you know, go around and do safety checks or anything like that? That need to be in place. There may be. Okay. There, that, that could happen that way, but most most commonly, we've discussed and identified if we're going to get a piece of equipment ready, this is what we're going to do. Mm. We're going to shut down the electricity part of it. We're going to trip a breaker over here. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we'll go look at it while we're doing the JSA, and then we're going to isolate the pump. We're going mm -hmm. to shut the suction and the discharge, and we'll point those out. Yep. And then we'll have a discussion, and then we'll start the job. And if we have to, we can always reference yeah. it because we're going to have it right there with us as well. And then post-job, are you filling out any forms like, hey, we, we met all the measures or no? We, typically Unless not. there's an accident. Typically not. But now if you have a procedure, there's usually a... a how to bring something down and a procedure how to take it up. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you have to everywhere that's I'm yeah. just a procedure guy. I know how that works, but if you have the JSA, just reverse what you're what you're doing. You yeah. Know? We've identified these hazards. We knew we had to shut the pump down. We knew we had to isolate it. Now that we're done, if we're gonna be the ones doing it, we'll just yeah. go mm -hmm. the reverse of that. Gotcha. And it's good again to talk about how are we gonna do it. How are mm -hmm. we going to do it? You can't communicate enough uh, yeah. when you're when you start doing this stuff. Yeah. What I would love to hear some examples of, man. I, I think a lot of people don't know how important safety is uh, in the day to day of their role. They understand that yes, safety is important, but they don't understand how things can go wrong really fast mm -hmm. all the time, especially mm -hmm. in their role. So I'd love to hear some examples of maybe sometimes things just went wrong for a company and. Maybe that was the catalyst for them bringing you in to start implementing a, a procedure or a program for safety. I'll, I'll go over one most recent, and, it, and it's not a bad situation. Nobody was hurt or anything, but it, but it was a situation where a company here locally was audited by the Department of Environmental Quality, ODEQ. Okay. Okay, and they, uh, they had some uh, findings and the company was very nervous we we thought we were doing good and uh, we need some help here so i went in and and helped them out for some environmental issues uh some training that they were laxed on and uh, we got that that done plus the other things that they gathered that were required and in about a six-week period we sent all the stuff into odeq and they got back a clean bill of health, so everything went well there. So, but they were really nervous. But if you get the help you need in those situations, um, typically based on what what the findings were, you can work them out because they'll work with you. Mm -hmm. And if you 
put the effort out, they're going to they're going to work with you. That's just an example of what happened here recently. Um, gotcha. Things that went south. Um, there are uh, there was an incident on a location, an oil well location, where two companies that I trained for both of them. Uh, one of them was lifting a piece of equipment with a crane. The other company, one of the guys, was wanting to help them. They didn't ask him for the help. Steady it or something. Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. So, and he was there to do another job. He, this is company A, this is company B. Company A is lifting this uh, pumping unit, piece of a pumping unit, big iron beam. The guy from company B comes over, tries to help him. He gets pinched in between that beam and the ground and causes some injury to the pelvic area and his leg and stuff. And so um, that kind of thing, you know, shouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody, unless somebody asks you to help them, don't go help them. Yeah. Because that's not your specialty. That's not your mm -hmm. forte. You're not trained in it. And so I did incident investigation on that and, of course, and I trained for both these companies. They didn't know that at the time. Yeah. And uh, but this company was at fault. He should have never, never walked gone. over to help. And he thought yeah. he was doing doing something good. Right. He he did, and and that was his whole intention anyway. It, and it wasn't to speed things up. He was just thought they needed some help, but they didn't. They knew what they were doing, and uh, so with that, we had to train those folks to stay on their job. Stay on your job. Yeah. Do what you do. That sort of thing. That's a, that's another small example of what can happen and how fast it can happen. I mean, he went over there and talking to folks within three or four seconds, he was hurt. Wow! Just that quick. So, is, and I'm curious: is that on the company or is that on the individual? In that case, well, that will be on the company. Wow! He works for. Yeah, it'll be an injury that they'll have to record on their OSHA 300 log. Let's talk That's about right. OSHA 300, yeah. it's Martin's favorite thing. I, one of the things I do with virtually every company is say, can I see your Form 300? And almost universally, uh, my what? You know, why, why does that matter, Gary? You have to record what, it. What is it and why does it matter? It's an OSHA form and you have to uh, record any injury information. Uh, is it a recordable injury that has to do with what treatment was given? If they went to the emergency room and they got stitches, if they were given a prescription, that sort of thing, that becomes recordable and OSHA wants to know about those. Uh, other injuries are what they call non-recordable, but you still have to put them down. Uh, I'll give you an example that I found. I didn't know this until it happened. We had a, an individual chip a tooth, a hose fitting, hit him and chipped a tooth. That's a broken bone. A tooth is a bone. Oh my gosh! I didn't know that. According, according to OSHA, anyway. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, so uh, that was a recordable. Right. And uh, so anyway, he. Uh, it's a form that you need to maintain. You need to have. If there's any regulators that do come in, just like Martin said, they're going to ask to see that. Yeah. Another thing too, talking about injury rate and such, uh, it can affect you getting jobs as a contractor, somebody wanting to do a job, a lot of companies want to know what your injury rate is and, mm -hmm. and that may prevent you from getting, uh, getting work, getting a job. Also, as we know, when we have an injury, what does that do to us as a company? Yeah. 
um, depending upon how many, the insurance rates may change. But more important than that, we have an employee that's hurt. We didn't want that. That employee may not be able to work for uh, days or weeks. So now we have to gather up the forces that we have to cover mm -hmm. his job. Uh, and so, you know, it's a circle and it's, it can be a vicious circle at times, but there's a lot of things that happen. So that's another reason why it's important and a good responsibility for the owners of these companies to have a good safety training program Yeah, it, because it can help prevent those injuries and those things happening. Sure. I think it's typically the companies that have been in business longer that are bigger that start to kind of figure these things out that maybe have had the audit that prompted them to get the safety mm -hmm. uh, program in place or get a safety trainer hired mm -hmm. to do something quarterly or biannually or whatever it is. There's there's a lot of companies that I do training for that we train every month. Wow. But there are companies that do quarterly training mm -hmm. or biannually training. Yeah. The thing is, if, you, if you'll do JSAs each job, you're doing some training there. Yeah. Um, I know that it's hard and difficult sometimes to get everybody in somewhere uh, once a month, but even if you could get three quarters of the crew there or half yeah. the crew this month and then half the next Just month. On rotation. And, and it's very important too for documentation, make sure that they sign in, make yeah. sure that, uh, that you can read their name, it's mm -hmm. legible. I know that sounds funny, but first thing that that OSHA is going to ask too is if you had training and we want to see the roster to to verify that so uh, those are things that that you need to do and, and record if, if your mm -hmm. name's not there you weren't there yeah is the way it's that we always say it so so we've we've said that uh, for these smaller companies the technology centers are probably a, a great resource for them but you've also mentioned the OSHA website having some resources what are some of the things that they might be able to find on there that are helpful? There is a plethora of information on the OSHA website, and you can get bogged down real easy, but okay. the standards are there. But there's one uh, publication, I happen to write it down, um, and it's, uh, let's see, we're, okay. It's uh, Training Requirements and OSHA Standards, and it's only 256 pages long. <laughs> But it gives you all the training that's required by all the OSHA standards. And okay. it's kind of by, you don't have to know everything about no, all 256 no, no. pages. No, There's no. part of, we, we dig trenches, you know, we work yep. in the air, yep. we're in the confined space, we're an office, and you can go in there and kind of... And you can weed through that, you sure can. Uh, there's also the publication for startup business, new business. Uh, what, and, and a lot of people think OSHA is out to get us, and it's really not. Uh, they're there to protect the workers, right? Yeah. Uh, and it is a government agency. It, it came about in 1970 with the OSHAC, and uh, it's been around a long time. Yeah. And But there are numerous publications that you can use for training. You can pull things off. They've got what they call quick cards uh, for trenching and shoring, forklift safety, lockout, tagout, and it's just a, a quick card that has the basics on it. Yeah. Someone would have... Don't use that for your primary training, but once you've been trained, then this is just a refresher. It's a curriculum. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, make sure that you, that you understand that part, but there's there's a lot of good information there. But the technology centers are a great resource as well. Okay. You know, one, one thing, 
maybe the technology centers, we didn't do it that way. We used you. But yeah. all, as I'm listening to all of this and thinking about a bunch of my clients, maybe 10 to 25 employees, busier than heck, you know, got all the issues you've got. We have the advisor and mentor checklist that we refer to all the time. I'm saying, guys, hire Gary. I mean, do that because even though you can get all that material, what material am I supposed to get? Mm -hmm. Somebody who can make order out of chaos and say, okay, we're going to implement this over time. We can't do it all in one day, but here's where you start. When you came into us, there was bloodborne pathogens. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. like everybody's got to take yep. that, right? Yep. Well, I've never heard of that. Yeah. And confined space, uh, certain circumstances, getting in an empty swimming pool is confined space. Sure. <laughs> No, it's not. Well, yeah, it is. Based on the definition yeah. for a space. And I was space. at a client's not too long ago, and he's got some 3,500-gallon uh, ro rosin tanks. Mm -hmm. with Anyway, the sediments get in there. <laughs> Lowering a guy in there, and they were bucketing that out. They go, man, anyway, you can't do that. No, no. Uh, well, why not? He's a little guy. He fits through that hole. No. You know, how are you going to get him out of there? And anyway, did you check the... O2 atmosphere. levels and all that. Yeah. And I said, well, what? So you can freak people out so easily. Yeah. But if you just start with one thing, but I, to me, you want a maestro orchestrating this. And if it's not going to be the boss, and not asking you to price stuff, but if you were doing that kind of guiding a program, what would that cost somebody? What would you, what would somebody expect to pay for some advisor? An hourly come? rate, 75 to 150 an yeah. hour. So if they, and to, so they're going to spend a thousand a month, or to start out with, and maybe a little less. Or... Yeah, probably a little less. Okay. See, I mean, yeah. that's totally affordable. Yeah, it's totally affordable. Yeah, and it's. A, I mean, I think employees care about that stuff too. As sometimes it does seem redundant. Sometimes it does seem so elementary. Why are we doing this? But at the end of the day, if you communicate it the right way, I think employees feel invested and they feel yeah. like you care about them, and that you're not just trying to send them to work and get the job done, but you're trying to take care of them too. That's a great point, Khalil, and, and you want buy-in with the employees too. Yeah. And it starts from the top, I promise you it does. If, if the top doesn't support that, then right. it's, it's, it's not gonna happen, but um, you have to have that, and you definitely want the employee buy-in. And mm -hmm. like you say, especially starting a new program, uh, the guys that have been working, let's say, 15 years, yeah. And I don't not know all that. I don't need to be yeah, caught. Yeah. But, and so sometimes you have a challenge trying to win those guys over, but eventually it'll happen if you, if you can present it correctly and, 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 you know, visit with them, talk to them. It'll, it'll, it'll work out. Yeah. Well, that's great. <clears throat> well, um, man, I, I think that, this is a topic that, I mean, we have a lot of these. We've done this with legal too, that people, it's not the first thing that's on mind, It's but it is something that is extremely important. And something we haven't talked about is what the initial investment actually saves you in the long run. It is an ex expense up front. It is. But what are the expenses that it's saving you on in the future? Maybe you can talk about that. Maybe there's some examples of you've seen it where a company didn't have the thing in place. They did have the lawsuit or the fine. And this is what, it, you know, they had to pay this. I, I think that would be helpful for people to know. Okay. They're, they're, a good example is a utilities company 
they had a fatality several years ago, and so David and I went in and we we did uh, training for them. Oh, training. Uh, trenching and shoring training, and uh, and to this day the company we still train for them, and they're they're huge. They've got a, a big workforce, and they do a lot of work, but safety is is paramount with that company mm -hmm. and uh, it again the negatives when you have injuries and you're not safe no work or mm -hmm. hard to get work insurance rates are high um, and employees will leave if you're not if you're not working them they're not going to stay there you know I mentioned before we started I had a client here in Oklahoma who cleared rights of way Mm -hmm. You know, pipelines, power mm -hmm. lines, railroad rights away, sometimes mm -hmm. highways and so on. And it's tough business, it can pay real well, but they had a um, accident problem and their workers' comp rate was too high. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, they couldn't work for three of the largest clients that they had. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, just about wiped them out. Yep. And the man investigated and actually did create another company saying, well, we'll shut that down. Well. That follows you. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't start it. Well, you can start another company and think you're going to get away with it, but they want to know joint owners and things, and they go back. So it it didn't put them out of business, but it easily could have. Yep. And I don't know how long it took three years to make that. I don't, I don't remember, but to for that to wash out, you know that yeah. that high rate. Probably three years if yeah. if they didn't have any any Anything other else? occurrences. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it, it hurts you in, in a lot of different yeah. ways. And, you know, the, the main thing I want to make sure people understand, you don't want anybody to get hurt. Yeah, that's that, the primary. You don't want right. someone to get hurt. You want them to be able to continue to work. And some injuries, they cause you to go on disability. You know, those things happen. And, and so that should be, you know, what we think about up front, number one. Let's don't get anybody hurt. And we have to, we have to focus that way. And it's real simple. How do, we, how do we do that? Well, we have to train them on the job we want them to do. Yeah. That's, that's our responsibility. The general clause in OSHA, right at the very front, it says employers will make work conditions safe for their employees. Hmm. And <clears throat> if they can't get you anywhere else, they can get come you and get that. you on that. But then the second part of that is the employees will work safely. I'm paraphrasing. Right, but sure. Employees will work safely, but they can only work safely if we train them how to work safely. Right. Yeah, and give them the environment to do so. <clears throat> you know, one thing we talk about recurring, we've said this sounds expensive, and it is, but we've shown by hiring an advisor and doing it piecemeal, it's not prohibitively expensive, and you have to do it anyway. But the other thing is you have to bid this stuff. When you're if you're lowballing bids, which we talk about all the time, trying mm -hmm. to get to work, and you don't have it in there, you will cut corners. You will, well, we don't have time to do that. What do you mean to spend 45 minutes every morning with 12 guys around a pickup? I can't afford that. Excuse me. Can't afford that. So what, I mean, that's just a message. You have to bid that way. If you're mm -hmm. a contractor, mm -hmm. this is part of it. And if you're ignoring it, it will catch up to you. Either somebody gets hurt or... Yep where the inspector walks in and wants to see your form 300 and you say, my what? Yeah. Get yeah. off my property. You don't, you, you can't don't, come on yeah. here. Well, yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah. You had mentioned an audit. Uh, you've actually mentioned it a couple of different times. Um, what, 
What does an audit look like? I think that there are contractors out there that are worried about a OSHA audit. Yep. How does that come about? What do you need to have prepared? Uh, yeah, just kind of give us the rundown. Uh, sometimes you'll get a warning if there's going to be an audit. Sometimes not. <laughs> uh, one way it happens is employee complaints. You, mm. you have, uh, uh, when you go to that OSHA website, OSHA.gov, uh, there is also directions on how to file a complaint. Mm. Uh, and no retaliation against that person is allowed either. Uh, that's one way. Wow. Um, and probably one of the most common ways that an audit will occur. Okay. Um, Do you get warning on that one or still? Sometimes you, you, don't know? you okay. might and you might not. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to say for the most part, you're going to get warned that you're gonna, okay. there's going to be an audit most of the time, but they can come in without. Unprompted, yeah. Um, and then um, during the audit, they're going to ask for a lot of information. <laughs> um, have the folks been trained? And if so, let that? me see it. I want to see the sign-in sheets. I want to see the tests. Um, or how you conveyed the information to them, mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing. Because whatever you whatever you put out there, they have to be able to give you information back, right? Yeah. Uh, so typically, that's how we we do a test. Um, they're going to ask to see your OSHA 300. <coughs> they're going to. Uh, do you have procedures in place? And if so, let's see those procedures. Yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of things, and what you want to do is let them ask you, don't you offer, just that, let them ask you and, and then you can go from there. But um, they're going to find something if there's an audit, I'll say that. Mm -hmm. They may not find you initially, mm -hmm. uh, maybe like the company I spoke about earlier, uh, where the ODEQ came in different from OSHA, but environmental has got a lot of stroke. And, uh, and if you comply with the recommendations they made and that sort of thing, put the effort out there, they're usually going to work with you on that. That's where it really gets sticky is if it's ongoing, if it's happened once, twice, three times, mm -hmm. uh, and, and you haven't fixed what uh, what's causing it, then you can get ready for some fines and stuff. Do those fines impact your insurance rates as well? They impact your pocketbook bottom line. Sure. The the fines won't, but the... Uh, if you the have, incident will. Yeah. The incident was. Is it only incident? I just didn't know if it was only incidents yeah. that were going to yeah. cause your insurance but to go up, or if they yeah. find something in the audit, oh, now your insurance goes up. Yeah. So. It, that'll be all based on the injury rate stuff. Gotcha. Okay. No, that's, you bring that up at the company where I work with you. Mm -hmm. uh, insurance guys, some insurance companies will come in and help you mm -hmm. they design will. A, they uh, will. a safety program. They sure will. They and sure you get will. good people there. So there are a lot of resources. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would think, I would say to the folks out there, just make some calls. Mm -hmm. uh, don't don't think it's going to be crazy outrageous. Yeah, don't self-deselect. Go yeah. find out. Yeah, yeah. 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 Just, just make some calls. Call some folks and uh, and see. Let them know what you need, what, you, what you're thinking, and work with them that way. Yeah. It, the benefits are, are so good. Uh, yeah. You know. Again, I, I can't stress enough. Number one, if we get our workforce to work safe, they're all going to go home at the end of the day, mm -hmm. and that's what we want. Production is better. Uh, OSHA injury log, or we have less injuries, so Insurance, chances for yeah. more jobs, that sort of thing. 
insurance rates down. Uh, yep. There's there's so many benefits to a safe workforce. You know, there's it just came to mind that there are people who cannot be safe, mm -hmm. and they need to not work for you. <laughs> That's true. I had a guy That's named true. Dutch when I ran Grand Elevators <laughs> in Nebraska, and that guy, he would fall down standing on the, I mean, I can't describe it, but I'll tell you guys afterwards, <laughs> stupidest thing. Well, I will. We had a sheet metal building that it had a hole in it. So one guy went on one side and held a sledgehammer against it, and the other guy bent that over and tapped the slit, you know, to close the hole, take yeah. the little flap and close it. Yeah. Dutch had the, uh, he's up 15 feet on a ladder and he had the sledgehammer in front of his face. And the guy tapped it and it's like those balls, you know, where click, click. Yeah. It goes, oh, <laughs> hits him in the head. The ladder, I mean, it, it wasn't funny at the time. He came to the office just covered with blood. The ladder slid down the side of this building and he crashed, you know. And go, really? Really? You know, <clears throat> do I need to put that as a do not hold the hammer in front of your, front face, of your face when somebody's going to tap on it? Yeah. But anyway, I finally had to let him go. Literally, I don't know why that is, but I've, I've known other people like that. But yes, there are. Cannot there are, work safely. There are folks cannot. out there. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if it's lack of awareness or what it is, but they. It's a good interview I, question. I, Have you been in any incidents? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Safety wise. Yeah. Are Are you really stupid when it comes <laughs> to safety? No. Any car accidents in your history? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can't ask that kind of stuff, but. Well, Gary, this has been super informative. What? Uh, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, my phone number is 405-207-7334. Okay, we'll put and, that in the show notes for people. And then my uh, email is gary at swsafetyllc.com. Swsafetyllc.com? Yep. Okay. And uh, you can get hold of me either way. Okay. Uh, I may not answer the phone initially, yeah. Call right back if I see two calls. You'll be at a country music concert where you'll be. I will be. I'll yeah. be. You'll be, be checking out the plugs on electric guitars. Yep, I do. Make that. It, Woo! That's not grounded. Yep. <laughs> I'm just really trying to get them to teach me how to play. There you, there you go. Do you play guitar? I play uh, just very little. Very little. I just started cool. after I retired, so. Okay. But I'm I'm learning. Electric, I'm learning. acoustic, acoustic. Okay. Should have gone with electric. It's you think easier so? to play than acoustic. It is a little bit anyway. easier to press down and all that stuff. Yeah, but uh, I'm working towards that. I've That's got a awesome. couple good friends that play, and they say, we need to get you playing songs and stuff. You know, I'm doing all the chords and all the yeah. uh, things like that. But anyway, but we, don't, love, don't, we love music. Uh, we go. Don't tighten those strings too much. That's right. It's it's it is. Yeah. They'll snap, right? Yeah. Goodness. And wrap around you. Yeah. Well, this has been super helpful. I think the biggest takeaways that I have for people, just to kind of recap, are safety is of the utmost importance. At the end of the day, the goal of it is to get your employees home yep. safely. Um, you know, big takeaways are also that technology centers are a great resource yep. for training and a cost-effective solution at that. Uh, you have to look into a JSA a job safety analysis or yes. job hazard analysis. Job hazard and that they have different names. Different but names. Same thing. But every single job go through a JSA with your crew, mm -hmm. um, and there needs to be classroom training for those as well, mm -hmm. even if it's redundant. That's mm -hmm. sometimes the most important because you get complacent. That's right. Uh, then also, OSHA's website has great resources they for do. you. We've listed a couple in here that are down in the show notes if you want to get after them. But ones for startups. And one's an entire guide that's 256 pages. Right, the training that's required for the OSHA standards. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Anything else I'm missing here on the recap? Only that talk to somebody like Gary. Talk to somebody uh, like you know, Gary. To, to lead you through it. and Because you can get all fired up, maybe because you heard this wonderful podcast. podcast and you're, <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you kind of wanders away and off you go. Yeah. Somebody, it needs to be somebody. Safety director in your business is fantastic, but a lot of people can't. Don't have, don't have that. Yeah. And they they'll have a foreman that does multiple rows. And and mm-hmm. OSHA has an OSHA 30 class for uh, it goes over all the safety hazards and stuff. And if you're in a supervisor position or uh, you handle some safety, it's a good class to have. They okay. have it for general industry 1910 and construction 1926. Either one. They also have a 10 hour class as well. Uh, that's an awareness level, mm-hmm. but the 30 hour is uh, a little more involved for supervisory right. and, and those that may deal with safety. Good class, good class to go to. Okay. Uh, you can learn a lot in that. That's great. Well, super valuable, man. Thank you for all your help. Uh, people it. will get in touch with you if they have questions and uh, we'll maybe bring you on again sometime. Great. Yeah. And the thing is, if I don't have an answer, I will direct you to okay. where you yeah. can get one. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. And, Fantastic. Uh, and OSHA is not your enemy. OSHA is not your, not your takeaway. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes it may seem that way, um, and I've experienced a lot with OSHA where I used to work, and because uh, we had some major events. But uh, uh, in the end, it's going to make you a better company anyway. Yeah, so. absolutely. Right, but Gary. if we do the work up front, they won't come by. Yeah, they so. won't. There yeah. you go. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, thank you, Gary. We Thanks, really appreciate Gary. your time. Thank you, guys. I appreciate yeah. you asking me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.